Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Time Loop SCPs Bill Murray's 1993 film Groundhog Day is a classic tale of a man inexplicably getting stuck in a situation in which he relives the exact same day over and over again. The events of the day do not change aside from his own actions, and throughout the day his character experiments and experiences through countless iterations of the titular Groundhog Day. The film eventually ends with everything working out as he finally breaks the time loop and life goes on, but we're here to talk about some situations in which everything might not work out. In the SCP universe, there are actually a fair number of anomalies that all deal with some sort of looping time situation and the darker, often more realistic nature of SCPs allow us to take a closer look at how scenarios might actually play out. Let's start with something simple. SCP-176 is an abandoned chemical factory consisting of a factory floor with an observation room on the second floor. There are three entrances to the building, a loading dock whose doors have been welded shut, a ground floor employee entrance, and a second floor entrance to the observation room accessible via an outdoor metal staircase. When the building is entered via the loading dock or employee entrance, the building seems to be entirely normal, presented as a stripped down abandoned factory. The only anomaly present this way is that entering the observation room seems to be impossible. When entering the observation room from the outside staircase, however, the window looking out onto the factory floor shows the primary anomaly, a static, repeating scene that lasts 11.3 seconds before repeating. The factory now appears painted white and sterilized, with a huge electronic device covering much of the factory floor. Five individuals in white clean suits seem to be working on the machine. At 5.9 seconds into the scene, the employee entrance door bursts open, and four individuals wearing tactical gear rush in and open fire on the five individuals. At 11.3 seconds, the device emits an intense flash of light and radiation, and the scene resets and repeats. So far, all attempts to interact with the scene in any way have failed, including attempts to break the window or door from inside the observation room. Any damage that is done is reverted as soon as the scene resets. It's also noted that any tools or limbs extended outside of the observation room are cleanly severed and are not seen again. It's a simple, classic SCP that doesn't explain anything more than it needs to. Who were those people? Why did this device go off and create the time loop? And is it really just a recording, or is this experience actually reoccurring for all eternity? Questions that are ultimately better left pondered than answered. Another simple one with very interesting implications is SCP-1033, a middle-aged Caucasian male that was discovered in New York after apparently materializing in the middle of the road, according to several witnesses. 
The witnesses claim that they experienced a bright white flash accompanied by a two-second burst of static noise. The Foundation found 1033 at the site where he materialized, where he was emitting an extremely high amount of various types of radiation. 1033's behavior adheres to a 33-second loop, starting with him walking forward and glancing at his watch. After 10 seconds, he stops, kneels down, and opens his briefcase, pulling out a single envelope and a prepaid mobile phone. The envelope contains a paper, reading, Cable, Asymmetric Cipher, 0UUT5LMO022, Let's Ruffle Feathers. He then types the coded message into a text message to an Australian phone number, that is not currently registered to any phone, and puts the phone and envelope back in the briefcase. He then looks off into the distance, regardless of what is actually in front of him, and then chuckles quietly. At 28 seconds into his loop, he is suddenly blown backwards three meters and writhes on the ground, screaming in apparent agony. Flesh is seen being stripped off of his body and flying behind him as other parts of him disintegrate. These effects correspond to that of a victim of a nuclear device being detonated in close proximity. After 33 seconds, he reappears at the start of his routine in mid-step, with no injuries present. Based on the fact that the phone number he texts is not currently registered, it would seem that this individual is somehow from a future timeline. What exactly sent him back in time and placed him in a loop is a mystery, but eventually our present time will catch up to whenever this man came from. When that happens, it's likely that a nuclear device will be detonated near him, which would be currently at a Foundation facility. One thing practically all of these time loops have in common is that there's never an explanation given for what causes the time loop itself. This is especially odd in the case of SCP-1382, a buoy in Lake Michigan that began demonstrating anomalous properties in 2012, leading to a number of disappearances. At night, or other dark conditions, the buoy flashes the Morse code signal SOS every 10 seconds. The buoy is anchored to the remains of a commercial passenger liner that crashed over Lake Michigan in 1973 that is currently embedded into the sea floor underneath the buoy. The plane has suffered extensive structural damage due to the crash and prolonged submersion, and contains 56 skeletal human remains. Most of these remains are believed to belong to the crew and passengers of the missing flight, while a few correspond to the more recent missing persons. When the buoy initiates its SOS signal, the skeletal remains animate, registering a temperature of 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. They then proceed to carry out a series of motions for 13 seconds before turning to face the buoy until the SOS signal ceases, at which point they collapse and become inert. Initially, it was believed that the motions carried out were the passengers reliving the crash of the plane, but it's since been determined that they are actually reacting to events that occurred during the crash, not the crash itself. One subject rises from the pilot seat and seems to fend off an unknown attacker before slumping over the plane's control panel. Another subject drops to their knees and holds up their arms in a posture suggesting some sort of prayer. 
One subject pushes their thumb into the eye socket of another, who offers no resistance but appears to be screaming, while another begins to consume the left hand of another passenger while a third assaults the cannibal with their fists. Three other subjects are gesturing at some of the windows, suggesting something is on or near the wing of the plane. Two subjects overpower two juvenile passengers and begin to consume them. Three other individuals, the ones that went missing recently, are in a much less drastic state of decay, and simply express confusion and distress over their situation. Finally, one of the individuals is a Foundation D-Class who went missing during testing, and rather than following set motions, instead continually tries to escape from the plane before the situation resets. The Foundation attempted to open up Morse code communication with the buoy, which interrupted its normal SOS flashing and instead flashed the words HELP and Mary SOS with Mary believed to be one of the passengers aboard the plane when it crashed. A D-Class approached the buoy on a small rubber dinghy and flashed the words, Hello, and Here to Help. In return, the buoy flashed the word, Hunger, before a large wave rose out of the water between the buoy and the D-Class and crashed over him. The D-Class was next seen inside of the wreckage. After the incident, when attempting to communicate with the buoy again and asking about the D-Class, it again stated the word HUNGER and HUNGER SOS. What exactly happened on that flight will forever remain a mystery, but it seems to have caused a perpetual loop of the people trapped inside the wreckage, and hungers for more people to add to it. So far we've looked at anomalies that continually repeat the same actions over and over, but what about time loops more closely resembling a Groundhog Day scenario, with continual variations? SCP-1231 is a black Amiga A1200 computer that runs independently of a power source and only displays a series of thousands of video thumbnails. Clicking on a thumbnail increases the size of the video, but all of the videos and thumbnails are in low resolution. The content of the videos varies, but each contains three subjects, a tall, middle-aged Caucasian man, a younger, shorter Korean woman, and either a light-colored child around four years old, or a mid-sized feral animal. When a human subject misperceives something in an existing video or thumbnail, a new video is generated containing that misperception. This is common when viewing the videos due to the low resolution, and even something as minor as thinking a shirt is a different color can cause a new video to be created. Additionally, it's not even required that the misperception come from actually watching one of the videos, as having someone describe a thumbnail or video to someone else can cause a new video to be created based on what they think that video contains. Fortunately, it seems that only one new video can be created each minute. The contents of the first video on the computer are completely expunged, but the second video shows the woman scooping an unknown powder with her left hand while the child is asleep in her right arm, without the man present. The third video shows the woman asleep, with the child crawling over her, and the man's leg is present in the upper right of the screen. 
The fourth video shows the child or the animal, it's unclear which, mauling the woman's chest, while the man's mutilated leg and pelvic region sit in the upper right of the screen. All three of these videos were created based on different perceptions of the first video. The 39th video shows the same room as the 18th, and is based on a misperception from the 24th video, with the man dislocating and relocating the woman's shoulder, and the child asleep in the upper left of the screen. The 902nd video shows the same room as the 600th, and is based on a misperception from the 419th video, with the man lying on top of the woman, smashing the child on the floor. The 1170th video shows the same room as the 1053rd, and is based on a misperception from the 1004th video, with the man and woman kneeling facing the camera, drenched in blood, crying and mouthing non-discernible words. What seems to be the mutilated corpse of the child is lying in front of the woman, and a low-pitched laughter is audible throughout. SCP-1231 isn't really dangerous or anything, but it's believed by the Foundation that these are real people that are somehow trapped in this anomaly and caught in some sort of loop. As testing continues, many of the situations turn violent for various reasons, whether due to the low resolution or with testing from D-Class that tend to have violent thoughts regardless. This leads the Ethics Committee to halt all testing of the anomaly, as it's a pretty messed up form of torture for no reason. Despite this halt, and despite the Foundation's efforts to contain any knowledge of the anomaly from spreading, the number of videos continues to go up. Hidden text in the file reads, What is the suffering of a few in the face of science? Pain is all relative, as is eternity. We've done far worse. I'm sure we have. It seems that somebody with access to the anomaly is continuing to view videos and create new ones, perpetually torturing this trapped family. Finally, that leaves us with the most well-known time loop SCP, SCP-1733. 1733 is a specific digital recording of an NBA season opening game from 2010 between the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat. The Foundation stumbled upon it when a fan complained on Facebook about a technical foul between two players that other viewers claimed never happened. The fan proceeded to upload digital footage of the incident, leading the Foundation to shut the whole thing down, administer amnestics, and retrieve the DVR that the fan had used to record the footage. Although the footage of the game diverged only slightly from the original game, such as different quarter point totals and foul occurrences, it has continued to diverge significantly with consecutive playbacks. Additionally, entities inside of the footage retain memory of previous planes, developing an understanding of their existence inside of a time loop. This was a cumulative effect, however, as initially commentators only expressed a feeling of intense deja vu, to eventually the entities maintaining a near-eidetic memory of previous playbacks. The entities do not know they are inside of a digital recording, however, and have never addressed the viewer directly. 
For all intents and purposes, the entities inside of the recording match their real-life versions, and Foundation inquiries have found nothing unusual about the real-life versions. As playbacks continued, the players became so adapted to the other players' strategies that the score remained 0-0 until three and a half minutes into the first quarter. This adaptation likely stemmed from a vague intuition into the past playbacks. By playback 45, however, players had declined to play the game altogether, instead becoming aware of the situation enough to worry about creating an escape plan. The Foundation has concluded that there does not seem to be any escape for the entities, as doors leading out of the arena have not yielded to any amount of force, and other plans have proved utterly fruitless. The Foundation has been unable to duplicate the effects of the anomaly, and have otherwise ceased testing entirely due to the ethical dilemma. We're given a small timeline of the history of playbacks, with some of the notable developments marked. The second playback showed a pretty minor deviation, with the crowd booing the Miami Heat during their entrance, and LeBron James scowling and shaking his head at the crowd. Playback 15 shows the score remaining 0-0 for 8 consecutive possessions, and fans appear noticeably subdued. Players' actions show a nascent awareness of previous games due to increased aptitude of plays. Playback 26 shows the first win for the Miami Heat, with the crowd becoming aggressive as a result. Playback 27 shows the commentators remarking on their feelings of deja vu, and the crowd remains subdued even during key Celtic plays. When the Celtics ultimately won the game, one of the commentators say that the Celtics have come a long way winning back the hearts of their fans, but when asked to elaborate on this, he could only say that he felt the team had an embarrassment to atone for, but could not specify further. Playback 44 shows the two teams emerging disoriented and confused onto the court, and the game is suspended. The majority of the footage shows medical professionals assessing the mental state of the players, who remained convinced that they had dreamt playing this season opener frequently the previous night. The commentators affirm the same feeling, along with the crowd. The recording eventually ends with courtside correspondents interviewing various members of the crowd about the nature of their dreams. In Playback 45, the players refuse to play, and many individuals gather in the court to figure out what's going on. All of the players are convinced they are reliving the same game repeatedly, and the doors are finally checked, discovering that they are blocked. By the time the recording comes to a close, the crowd is fashioning makeshift weapons to attempt to pry open the doors. This is the last playback in which the cameras are operated by the camera crew, as future playbacks are only seen through a single static shot. Playback 51 shows some of the crowd becoming belligerent, as an encounter between a group of inebriated college-aged males and an older male leaves the man concussed and unconscious. It seems that the incident began over the group of males not assisting with escape plans. Playback 52 shows the older male unharmed, but he proceeds to ambush and bludgeon one of his attackers to death, 34 minutes into the footage. By playback 55, the individuals inside are now able to remember other events from prior in the week, as well as friends and families outside of the arena, but attempts to contact outside help are all met with failure. 
By Playback 65, the group has broken up into multiple factions, with players, coaches, and team personnel barricading themselves away in off-screen player facilities. The infirm and parents with children have retreated to a corner of the balcony rise, hoping to wait out the playbacks, while a number of other individuals referred to as faith keepers preach that this is a punishment for their rampant consumerism, offering up burned sacrifices of mobile phones, car keys, handbags, and wallets in the center of the court. A large number of other individuals continue to formulate escape plans. By Playback 73, the Faith Growers have grown in number after an incident in Playback 72 in which three individuals were severely injured after detonating an improvised explosive to an exit door, resulting in no damage to the door. By Playback 95, hedonistic displays of sex and violence have broken out, curbing the efforts of the Faith Keepers. By playback 112, a number of individuals leap to their deaths from the balcony within 10 minutes. The number of playbacks is redacted at this point, so it's unclear how long the Foundation tested this for. At some point, the Faith Keepers storm the player facilities to retrieve two players, who are then ritually sacrificed on the court, and their bodies hung from the Jumbotron. Eventually, the Faith Keepers instead call for the sacrifice of children, leading to a large-scale conflict between two factions. The last recorded playback shows the lighting of the arena deviating into a deep red color, and the rest of the note is expunged. 1733 is popular because it takes the same basic concept of Groundhog Day, but adds in many more people and shows how dark a situation like that could truly get. Assuming no one continues to test it like they do on SCP-1231, it seems like the people trapped inside of 1733 can lay to rest. These of course aren't all of the time loop SCPs, and it's likely that some more will be written in the future, introducing other twists to the same formula. Additionally, there are other sorts of recursive loop SCPs that don't necessarily deal with time, but feature a similar concept. While Bill Murray may have had a fine time in his loop and everything worked out, I think I'd pass on the opportunity to be stuck in a time loop.